Bullshit. Pretend for a moment we've entered a parallel universe free of bullshit and full of bold solutions. That's what the No Bullshit Marketing Podcast is all about. I'm your host, Dave Mastovich, and let's cut the bullshit. Today, I have Suzanne Mayer, an important member of the team and a very long-term friend here with me. So where do you want to go with this? What do you want to do on this special episode of you and I giving thanks? I want to turn the tables on you. You do? Yep. How are you going to do that? I'm going to ask you the questions that you have been asking everyone. All right. We're going to, ta- we're going to take a break and switch chairs then. So we'll hit the pause button. We'll be right back. So I am turning the tables. This is the No Bullshit Marketing Podcast. I'm Suzanne Mayer with the host, Dave Mastovich. And as in honor of Thanksgiving, we're just kind of switching things up. And uh, we're going to turn the tables and have Dave. They're laughing. There's a they're laughing at you, (laughs) not with you. (laughs) Background noise. And it's Gaddy. It's it's my Gaddy. Um, We're going to turn the tables and have Dave answer some of these questions that he has been positioning to uh, some of the region's top business leaders. So. Tell us, like, I, well, let's have your background, your your career. I'll show you how this is done, folks. <sighs> okay, so career background. The first guest of the show was Mike Mastovich, my brother. And that was symbolic for a number of reasons. He's my brother. He's a tremendous messaging guy, Hall of Fame sports writer. He and I grew up and were rambunctious jock people, loved the sports. And we began covering sports at a very early years as a as stringers doing writing at age 16, 17, 18. I was more into the radio because there was less accountability, I think, subconsciously, and I'm more of a gabber. So I started doing radio as like a 16 or 17-year-old, and that enabled me to continually interview people, do bits, do uh, analysis of markets and how to actually get more listeners And also I then started a DJing business and all that stuff played a role because it taught me how to read people and leverage some of my skills in that capacity. Then when I graduated from college, uh, the two, two of the radio stations I was working at had gone bankrupt and they were ranked 13th and 14th out of 14 stations in that market. And what happened was I was uh, the arrogance of ignorance. You talk about bullshit. I would not do many of the things I did in my twenties today and that would be bad because they were successful so what happened was the owners of the radio station knew that i was graduating from college and they had used me in just about every capacity at the station and they said do you want to give it a go to try to turn it around and i'm 21 years old and didn't even think like twice i'm like yeah i can do it which again i wouldn't i didn't i did it all on instinct or what i was taught in the books and we ended up turning around a team of people it was a huge team of people um, David Smith, the, ironically, our audio guy was, uh, my first real mentor and he was in the top leadership capacity there and he mentored me and we as a team with a number of other people, probably half dozen to 10 other key people took these two stations from 13 and 14 and losing a half million dollars to number one and number three in the market and making a half million dollars. And what that did for me was it taught me marketing and it taught me sales. It taught me there was a big difference It taught me how to reach people through the listenership of radio and how to promote, but it gave me the confidence as a leader. 
So from that point on, I knew I wanted to do leadership roles and do turnarounds. And it just snowballed from there. I ended up working in healthcare while getting my MBA and working for Indiana University of Pennsylvania, doing some teaching and some research and some writing and worked with the Small Business Institute. And while there, I realized that this healthcare problem was forefront in the debate between this governor from Arkansas and the original George Bush. After that debate, the desire to hire MBAs in healthcare became huge. And I took some jobs in healthcare, again, doing turnarounds, because that just came natural to me to turn around the company from a messaging standpoint and a leadership standpoint. And I also love processes. So I then landed a couple of healthcare jobs. And one was a turnaround of a hospital in Catanning, Pennsylvania that had a tremendous team there. Uh, another, my second major mentor there was George Hartnett, who just taught me so much. And we helped as a group turn that hospital around. And then I was recruited by John Paul at UPMC and Tony Lombardi, another mentor at Monongahela Valley Hospital. And those guys gave me opportunities to just really do all kinds of cool stuff. And it was around the turn of the century that I realized that education was going to go through the same thing that healthcare had gone through. I saw that the ultimate customer didn't pay for things. Uh, the customer being the student didn't pay, neither did the patient. There was uh, alumni mattered, insurance companies mattered, et cetera. And I saw these similarities of target markets. So I took a top communications leader job at Duquesne University. And while there, I built uh, on the side Mass Solutions. And that's where we got to where we are. That's probably the longest mm -hmm. answer from any guest, Suzanne. It was good, though. <laughs> it, gives you your, it, it gives those roots. So bullshit in the workplace. That's one, one of the things you, you target every week. Give us an example of the of in the past when you had to say that's bullshit. I think it's mostly tied to culture and it would be hard for me to give one example, but it's really when you don't try to maximize the people mm -hmm. around you by allowing them to be themselves. And so I could give a lot of examples and one uh, was where it was a very strict culture and, and you weren't allowed to leave the building and you had to dress a certain way. And that might have been the most extreme, but there there have been others where um, the pit bull mentality, the one that bothers me the most, I guess I will fix it on the one that bothers me the most, is the pack mentality when someone's vulnerable mm -hmm. to go after them. That's the one that bothers me the most. So I've been in senior management in some very large companies, multi-billion dollar companies. And you can tell when someone's vulnerable, and, and I've been vulnerable, been the vulnerable one at times. And when someone's vulnerable, the other senior managers, not all of them, but a portion of them go into that pack mentality and then just subconsciously or even consciously attack yeah. that and one that's vulnerable. And it's a matter of time. And then it's a matter of time. Culture. Yeah. And so that bothers me a lot. Prior to me ever being the victim, I, I didn't like that. But then when you're the victim, it scars you for life. So when do you think you yourself were guilty of bullshit? Probably, am, I, am I allowed to say that? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to be completely vulnerable here quite often. So <laughs> there's there's a couple of things. And, and what's great about my situation is people like Suzanne, who just today at lunch gave me some great advice, but Mike Gaddy, who's been with Mass Solutions his whole career, my brother, Mike, um, just s some clients, some clients. I mentioned Mark Marmo, um, Rick Erwin, Lorianne Puzzi, and Eric Walker of Integra Care. These are people that 
tell me what they think. There's there's others out there. I've already forgot them by mistake. I just can't list, list off 50 people. But, of course, at Mass Solutions, there's so many others. Allie, I kind of surprised you with this. So. Allie and Millie and yeah. Rhonda and everybody. But what I've been lucky is people will tell me when they think I'm not being myself or when I'm being too, I'm very intense and impatient. And so they know, like you'll bring me the Snickers bar. And I've mentioned that on multiple shows. You'll have a Snickers bar, I think, sometimes in your bag just because you know if Dave's in one of his bitchy moods, hand him the Snickers bar. But that helps. But where I've been bullshit is I overcompensate. And that is something that's part of who I am. And I've, I've assessed that and tried to fix it. But I do overcompensate. And you brought up one today where I love analytics and so I love using predictive index, but then I, I've probably become, you've noticed it because you saw me when I was that balls out leader mm-hmm. <laughs> in my twenties and thirties. And so now I kind of second guess myself and go back to the analytics. So there's, that's an overcompensation. I should still use analytics, but I have to not fall prey to bullshit by going too far that way. Or if I was too harsh on someone early in my career, this is the, this is another clear one. If I was too harsh on someone early in my career, I was a bullshitter because I then overcompensated and I wouldn't hold them as accountable because I was like, oh, I just pounded them last week. Maybe I'm too hard on them. And that's bullshit. You have to be fair, firm and fair. And I think I get it right a lot of the time, but that's the part that I really strive to work on on a daily basis as a coach of sports teams, as a parent, as a dad, uh, and as a leader. Your bread and butter has been in the marketing is in the marketing world. I'm curious to know, what do you consider your biggest marketing or messaging success. Hmm. Now I see why people pause on that, but see, they, they're given time hmm. to prepare. Uh, I, I'm going to struggle to give one, but um, see, there's, there's four or five that just jump out. The radio stations one is huge because we went from worst to first and we had to tell a story about two stations that were poorly run they, they, they didn't treat their clients right. They didn't deliver the commercials they were supposed to. So they actually flat out theft. And then the station itself had been poorly run. So we had to go out and talk in the community in one-to-one meetings and also through the promotions that we did. So that's a big one. Uh, that Armstrong Hospital turnaround was a big one because uh, we, again, had the problem with the – they had six days cash on hand when George Hartnett took over, and I was there with George, and we – had to convince anyone from even the, the 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 people that ran the funeral home had negative perceptions. And we're talking about this the the hospital to the ambulance services, all kinds of people. We had to convey a much more positive story. That that's another big one. Um, the biggest one that's the most notable is choose your healthcare if your life depended on it. Just being a part of that. That's Jeffrey Romoff. That's John Paul and a whole slew of other people. I'm not taking credit for that. Those. There's a talented team, UPMC. so many people at UPMC, but being a part of the Choose Your Healthcare team was huge because we implemented that and told that story and changed this marketplace, especially with the health insurance plan when John Paul and Pat Liebman uh, had pushed for a health plan that changed this market. So that's another one. All the hospital you need is one of my all-time favorites just because that time of my life was when I met you and your firm. But I also had just so many close relationships mm-hmm. because the work ethic of the people on my team at Monongahela Valley Hospital was incredible. And Tony Lombardi, while he was extremely hard on me, he and I have made up because I was extremely hard on him. I was I was a bullshit employee many times with him, and he, <laughs> he was hard on me. And he said to me he was a bullshit boss many times. 
times. And that's what that's what that's what it's important about all this stuff is the relationship, Suzanne, because look at that relationship with Tony, who he and I banged heads, but we stayed friends and we yeah. realized after it was all said and done that uh, we care about each other. And so that's a success I'd have to mention, too. You talk a lot about in past episodes that big idea. Mm-hmm. What do you hold up as what, what's your big idea? That's a great question. They continue to laugh outside. I know. So, and it's like uh, always like right after I ask the question when you're going right into <laughs> the, They're set. laughing. They're laughing at us. Well, the, the big idea for Mass Solutions is this, and I couldn't articulate it this well in the early going, but I now have this example which really rings true to me uh, because you can just see it. Anyone out there can see this because anyone's seen Chipotle. And Steve Ells, the CEO and founder of Chipotle, said that sustainably raised foods should not be an elitist pursuit. And I heard him speak one day and I thought, oh, that's what I've been trying to say for years. And I just didn't articulate it well enough for Mass Solutions because when I was on the other side and when I was at UPMC in particular and Duquesne University and even Monongahela Valley Hospital to a T because we had budgets and we had structure. I often wondered, why is it that only us big guys do real marketing? Why does everybody else do bullshit marketing? And I don't mean everybody else. That's a wrong term to ever use. But so many people don't even understand marketing. They think it's sales or they lump sales and marketing together. Or they think that one medium works because they like that medium. I like uh, jazz, so let's be on a jazz station and you're selling pizza. So I just thought it shouldn't be just the big guy pursuit, just like Steve Ells said, sustainably raised food shouldn't be an elitist pursuit. Marketing shouldn't be an elitist pursuit. So I couldn't articulate that back in 2002, 2003, 2004, when I was building Mass Solutions. But that's really what it comes down to, Suzanne. Our big idea is that we all should be able to do real marketing. And if you do real marketing, you answer the question of the two whys. Mm -hmm. Why are you in business as a company so why are you in business and why do your customers buy from you? Mm-hmm. If you can take those two answers and if they come even remotely close and then meld that into transformative messaging, that's what we do every day for clients. That to me is real marketing. And those whole other things in my definition, including marketing, intel, et cetera. But really it's answering the two whys, your reason for being and their reason for buying and building your message around that one big idea. Meanwhile, like I'm, I was going to ask you about your tool or tip, and I mean that's actually that's a great, that's a great tip. But now you have to give us another one. Your, what are you going to share with us as far as a tool or or tip that people can put to use in in daily business? Uh, I'm going to give a bunch of stuff here. No, you have to give your best. Oh, okay, my best. Something that can really help people. This is going to be funny because, well, it's not. I'm going to give a tool and a tip to help. Since since most people pick one or the other, I'm going to give a tool and a tip. So the tool that I would say is what's neglected the most, I think, is not using the resources you have. and that, and, and that's really Google. And so... Before you ask a question, you have a phone in your hand or you have a desktop near you or you have a tablet near you. Before you ask a question, Google it and you will learn so much more. Mm -hmm. And then when you ask the question, you're asking a better question. Mm 
And then that segues into using Google Trends for ideas. So if you're a promotional person or if you're a writer or if you are a leader and you have to try to motivate your team or if you have to do a presentation, looking at Google Trends for 10 minutes tells you what America and the world is interested in right now. Mm-hmm. And you can take something from, that's where I get most of my ideas for light reading. I look at Google Trends and I say, this is trending. So I'm gonna go that's and- That's a really good, that's a really good tool. Yeah, so the tool is Google and Google Trends and the tip is to write shit down. Yeah. That's, that's just my biggest tip. I'm just amazed yeah. at how few people take notes yeah. and how few people build a to-do list. And I realize we're all built differently. I'm a predictive index guy. So I, I realize we're all different on how much detail we want, but writing things down and just, it doesn't even have to be, I use the Covey system, Franklin Covey system, but it doesn't have to be that. It can just be write down five things. Darlene writes five things down. She gets them all done. Yeah. The five things she writes down, she gets done. Suzanne has seven. my, re- my reporter's tablet. Yeah. Yep. And my brother would be excited to see that you're using the reporter's tablet. <laughs> that's what he uses his for. But that's when you get shit done is writing it down because you're forced to hold yourself accountable by seeing it. So those are my, that's my tool and tip. Outstanding. You know what? I would say, Dave Mastovich, you passed the test today of having the tables turned on you. How's it feel? It feels pretty good. Yeah. It's kind of like therapy, isn't it? It Having been on on your side of it, it just makes you stop and think about, wow. Yeah. I do have a perspective on on business and, and marketing. So yay for you. Thank you. I'm turning it back over to you now. Well, the thing that I was going to say is to help guests, because I want people that listen to this to know that we are open to guests of all sorts. Chef Jack and Wardell was a great guest. She was on uh, Cutthroat Kitchen. Nora Hewitt was on the Sci-Fi Network's Face Off and was the champion. But um, you have other people like Tony Lombardi, the man I mentioned earlier, one of my four mentors who... Uh, he was the youngest and longest tenured CEO, had both times. He was the youngest CEO in America, and then he was the longest tenured healthcare CEO in America at uh, about 40-some years. He's been retired for a number of years. He was on. He was a tremendous guest. You go through the list of guests we've had, ranging in types of job to entrepreneur to leader. We are interested in quality guests yeah so you know if, if you're some, interested i was gonna say reach out to us and just so you know if you've listened to the show you've noticed that the questions are pretty much the same now i respond to the answers but everyone gets asked about their career arc everyone gets asked what they think is bullshit in the workplace everyone asks when they were a bullshitter so come join us for business therapy and some of the ones we have coming up, or at least we've talked to, and I, I don't, I'm going to put them on the spot. This will help lure them. Uh, Lorianne Poutier, a longtime friend of both of us, uh, Integra Care Corporation president, she is uh, looking to get on the schedule. John Mascaro, the CEO of Mascaro Construction, a good friend of mine. I'm trying to coax him into it. He's one of the most humble people I know, and I think he doesn't want to be on, so I'm just going to. Well, now you're shaming them all I'm, into I'm playing, it. I'm you're... playing the friend card and <laughs> shaming him. But uh, I think they'll both be tremendous guests. And so why yes. do I give those two? Why do I give those two? So to explain that instead of just shaming them is uh, Lorianne runs a senior living company. And it's a big senior living company with about 12 communities. But yet she has to lead and communicate anywhere from the entry-level nurse's assistant all the way up to an executive. But also in between, she's got to get executive directors. She's got to lead marketers. That's a compelling story to me that I want our listeners to hear. Mm -hmm. And the same thing of a John Mascaro. John Mascaro is managing teams that are building places like Heinz Field. Now, he's the senior executive officer, but he still is a guy that 
gets involved with all the activities. So I want to hear how he communicates. I want to hear what he thinks is bullshit. Right. And I want to hear what his tip or tool is. So that's why I think it's uh, it's it's a great a great venue for people to be on. The issues, the the challenge has been issued. They better be on here. What about Jeff M. Brescia? We both mentioned his name. We got to yep. get him on here. Yep. We'll get Jeff M. Brescia. But seriously though, um, I mean, email email Dave at MassSolutions.biz. B i z. B i z. Get you more biz. Get you more biz. Um, and I mean, if if you yourself or you know or you would like to make a recommendation of someone that we should pursue, we welcome it. I think it's a it's a great platform. So get your word out. So we gave thanks. We yes, gave we Thanksgiving did. marketing tips. We turned the tables. And that was Suzanne Mayer, the wind beneath the show's wings, who <laughs> became the host for a portion of the show. How'd you feel about that hosting? It was kind of fun. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, Dave. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, Suzanne. <laughs> and thank you, our audience, for listening to the No Bullshit Marketing Show. Check out BoldSolutionsNoBS.com for show notes and other marketing and messaging resources. Sign up for Light Reading. We have over a million people have read Light Reading. It's meant to be read in two minutes or less, and it should shine bright ideas for you. Go to MassSolutions.biz and sign up for Light Reading. And other than that, just remember to answer those two why questions, your reason for being and their reason for buying. Make it the what's the big idea. Build your messaging around that. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.